The Autistica podcast covers the topics that you want to hear. Our autistic presenters bring together scientists, professionals and experts by experience to discuss autism facts, theories and personal stories. We include a broad range of views and informally chat about new or unfinished research, so don't take everything that you hear as a fact. We look forward to including you in the conversation. We are talking about the senses again in this episode. In the last episode, you heard Colin chat to Elizabeth Verhulst about the work that she's doing looking at anxiety in the senses. But in this episode, I'll be speaking to Susan Madigan, an occupational therapist and all-round lovely person. We worked together in Dublin City University a few years ago. She talks about how she supports students who are having trouble with sensory challenges. But first, she explained exactly what occupational therapy is and how she normally works with students. It's actually a health profession um, and I suppose it's aimed at supporting people to participate in everyday life and the occupation bit is everything people do so it's like hygiene, getting yourself up in the morning, eating, uh, rest, sleep, education, work, leisure, um, social participation and so everything that a person would do in 24 hours. People generally come to an OT when their functioning in one of those areas has been affected. So like they're not able to do the things they want to do or used to do because of a change in their circumstances. So like an accident or their mood has been affected or uh, due to issues with an ongoing condition. Um, And I suppose what we try and do is work with people to... um, modify their skills a little bit um, Mm -hmm. to help them participate or more often we sort of look at the environment and modifying the social or physical environment um, to to support their goals. I work in a college so um, I support students with disabilities to manage the occupations of student life. So um, I work with students who are struggling with their academic performance or just people who want to improve, uh, I suppose, their college experience. So they want to improve their general well-being or, for example, they might have kind of potted bits that are going on. So they might be getting on really well academically, but might be struggling to make friends or just settle in. Um, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, higher education <laughs> like, is a time of significant change and transition. And with that comes a lot of stressors. Um, and a lot of our students who are neurodiverse really struggle with all the change and all the new bits. Um, so we work with our students to, like a, a lot of things would be like improving focus, um, improving time management and organization, um, looking at kind of their study habits and their study skills and seeing can we tweak that a little bit and working on procrastination is a big it's a big issue (laughs) for any student Um, looking at deadlines a lot of people struggle like as I'm sure you know know, Kat like having three or four essays in at the same time Uh that can be really difficult and so kind of helping people to manage that a little bit Um, and just um, where people want to improve their communication or improve the social side of things um, anything really anything you can imagine is trying to do and we do that by um, identifying the problem like I said um, and then we set a goal so for example someone might say look 
you know, I've been in college a few weeks and I haven't really met anyone yet. So the goal, goal might be something like, well, with like to go to a new group within two weeks, for example, a new club or society within two weeks. And then we'd work out how to do that. So it might be contacting, you know, the club to find out when, when it's on and then, you know, um, going along on the day and then coming back to me and kind of letting me know how they get on with that. Um, yeah, so that's kind of it. Are sensory issues something that you'd often see with students? Well, that can be a huge issue for some of our students. Um, mm-hmm. And really, I suppose, what's going on with sensory stuff? Like, really, people are getting messages from the senses, so from the eyes and the ears, etc., um, to the brain, and they're not organised. So they're getting jumbled or... Um, the person isn't responding like most people do mm-hmm. so it's harder to do everyday things like the kind of things we've been talking about um, if people don't mind maybe think about whoever's listening to this like um, you can close your eyes or not obviously don't close your eyes if you're driving a car um, <laughs> but just think about what are some of the things you can hear so like can you hear um, the noise of traffic? Can you hear, like, maybe if you're at a computer, can you hear, like, you know, the humming or the buzzing of the computer? If you're in an office, can you hear the air conditioning? Maybe I'm in Dublin, so obviously it's raining, so I can hear the rain um, or the wind. Um, I can hear people outside talking. I can hear footsteps. Um and hopefully you can still hear my squeaky voice over all those noises. And I suppose, like, that's the experience for all of us. There's loads of noises all the time. But for some of our people that we work with, they say, like, that all of those noises are just as loud as my voice. So imagine if you're in an office or you're in a lecture hall and you're trying to listen to lecturer speaking about whatever topic it is but all of those noises of people turning their page and scratching their pen and tapping on their laptop all of those noises are exactly as loud if not louder than the lecturer so imagine someone trying to be there and trying to concentrate and trying to take notes when all of those noises are overwhelming I suppose that's one way to kind of understand it and that's just obviously noises and auditory but that kind of applies obviously to visual stuff as well mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose a lot of our students would have that experience. A lot of our students would be quite bothered by noises um, and different, like, I suppose, layers of noises. So, like I was saying, like different tones of noises, so alarms and things like that, but then also people speaking and all of those noises kind of hitting them at the same volume. And I suppose because of that, um, those students can find it really difficult to concentrate in a lecture, even just to talk to people and to study, to use the library, all of those things that is what a student needs to do every day. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's what I'm describing there is being sort of over responsive. So really that means, I suppose, that the person is more sensitive. So um, what that means is that you're you're like you're so finely tuned that you're 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 getting those things more loudly or more vibrantly than other people um and i suppose a good analogy that we kind of use in the ot world is like a like it's like a cup so if you're over responsive you've got like a teeny tiny cup for Mm -hmm. that sense so like a little egg cup um and 
just a small amount of sensory information fills that cup. So um, when you hear noises or things like that, like you're immediately, it's too much. Um, immediately your cup is full and overflowing. And that's when people can, I suppose, um, when people can get overwhelmed and can even become like quite dysregulated and quite upset and things like that. And where what happens with our students then is we see people, I suppose, avoiding college and people coming in sporadically or people coming in, people kind of forcing themselves in, but you know, not really, it's not really going well. They're not really enjoying it. Their experience could be a lot better. So that's, that's very typical. Um, for some people, um, so that's kind of being over-responsive or very sensitive is another way to look at it. And then other people be under-responsive. So um, think of them instead of having a little egg cup, they've got a huge huge big cup um, imagine your arms going as wide as they can and that's how mm-hmm. big the cup is um, and that cup is never full then so um, people are they're always seeking that out they can't get enough of whatever that is so let's say it was movement so instead of noise now we're talking about movement so people getting a lot of feedback through their muscles and their joints and and feeling like they enjoy the sense of movement but they can never quite get enough so think about someone people you probably know um you know who are always on the move they're up and out of the chair they're up and down they're coming in and out tapping the pen constantly and the leg is jiggling maybe they're fidgeting with stuff and that's someone who's always seeking movement and again that's not really necessarily a problem but um again if you're trying to sit still and not move around it could be quite distracting so you're you're then trying to prevent um yourself moving or mask that sense of need that you're having um and the with with people being under responsive it can be an issue as well because things aren't vibrant enough for them so for example if you're under responsive again coming back to noise and sound then the lecturer speaking mightn't be interesting enough if you like for you it's not vibrant enough it could if the lecture was kind of monotone or something like that mm-hmm. it's not going to catch your attention it's not it's not vibrant enough so you're going to miss out on that so for a different reason but the same result you can get people kind of avoiding college they're not engaged with it they're not as interested with it um, and that can like it's the same uh, same result but a different cause um, so those are helpful ways of kind of thinking about the senses, people being under or over responsive mm-hmm. um, for each different one. So you could be you could be over for one, under for another, and then kind of you could be kind of middle of the road with another. Are students generally aware of how their sensory differences impact on them? Some are aware um, and some aren't. So some people would come in and say, oh, you know, I really I'm really conscious of noises. I'm really, um, you know, I find sudden noises or loud noises difficult, but that might be the extent of it. Mm -hmm. So they mightn't they mightn't have a total understanding of their sensory profile, if you like. So that is something that I'll do with most of our students that come on, uh, come into college who are on the spectrum. We'll go through, like we have an assessment and we can go through the sensory profile and actually find out their sensory preferences. Are there strategies to deal with sensory issues that people are using that might not be so helpful for them? 
Yeah, and I think that's the problem. I think a lot of people are going, I'm finding this difficult and I don't know why. And that's why, like, a lot of people are using kind of ineffective strategies. So, for example, they, like, the, like I was saying, like, they might find that noise is an issue. So they might try using noise cancelling headphones, but then they're finding, well, it's not really helping or that's not solving the problem. So then they can kind of, again, go back to maybe avoidance yeah. where, what they really need is to look at that whole sensory profile and look at, well, maybe, yeah, okay, I'm, I am sensitive to noise, but actually, do you know what? It's visual distraction. That's really getting me gone. I'm every little, every little change in the environment and I'm gone. And it's, I I've such a small cup for visual stuff that like, it's just, it's just, I, I can't concentrate once I see one thing. I was going to ask you about strategies that people might use to help them cope with sensory differences. Um, but I suppose it's quite an individual thing, isn't it? Everyone has sort of their own sensory profile. Exactly. So like for us, like, as I was saying, like it's really important that people, that individuals know their own kind of sensory preferences. Um, and when you know it, you can begin to sort of understand it, begin to work on it and begin to, you know, log, if you like, or, or you know, really take notice of of what's working and not working. Um, you can go to an OT to help with that. Um, but you can, you know, you can also start doing it yourself. Like um, I know that the family members um, of people who are not neurodiverse and all of the neurodiverse squad ourselves are really good problem solvers. It is something that you can begin to look at yourself. Again, most people are obviously quite aware of the auditory one is is one that people are really aware of. It's really common. But like there's also um, there's also things like and again, it's something that people wouldn't typically think of. But we when I worked in cams and I worked a lot with younger kids as well, like looking at um, textures and um, and again, I suppose people typically think of um like bad textures <laughs> like mm-hmm. like things that people don't like but there's also good ones as well so having little bits like again this is something that I would do but like I when I go into a shopping center like I'll feel all of the material <laughs> I have to know what it feels like um and again it's it's true for other people so having a little bit of material in your pocket that you like the feel of could be very calming potentially and could help to filter out some of those other extraneous uh, sensory informations that you don't want mm-hmm. um, and I think thinking about a sensory diet is something that OTs would talk about a lot so so feeding those senses throughout the day and again not just look, focusing on one sense but looking at all of them so if it's maybe music at, at one time if you like then maybe it's coffee as well if you need more alerting and you're not getting enough sensory information you need to wake up more and mm-hmm. um, could be chewing that's a big thing <laughs> that we go in for like chewing different kinds of things it could be literally chewing on a pen or it could be chewing on something crunchy like celery mm. or popcorn and again that can be a real just right sensory information for some people and can yeah. really get people kind of feeling good and feeling like they're in the right zone If you're autistic, a family member, a researcher, or you work with autistic people, you can join the Autistica Network. The network is the UK's autism research network run by Autistica. You'll get email updates about the latest research and you'll hear about studies that you can take part in. By working together and sharing knowledge, we can make real progress for autistic people. Find out more at autistica.org.uk.
You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify. To hear more, just subscribe and we would love it if you left us a review.